everyone, and welcome to another webinar at the Middle East Institute, National University of Singapore. Uh, my name is Fauzan Rusli, a research associate here at the Institute, and I will be your host and moderator for today. Today's webinar, titled Uncovering the, the Gatekeepers of Islamic Finance, is co-organized by the Division of Ideas Research Cluster of the Middle East Institute and the Center for Islamic Economics and Finance at Hamad bin Khalifa University. On behalf of the Institute and the Center for Islamic Economics and Finance at Hamad bin Khalifa University, I would like to thank you for your attendance and I hope you will benefit greatly from today's session. Before I go on to introduce our speakers, let me provide you with some context about this webinar on Islamic finance. Back in 2016, the Middle East Institute had organized a workshop on the development and reformation of Islamic finance, which featured academics and practitioners from Southeast Asia, the Middle East and Europe. The workshop proceedings have since been published in print and online at our website. Today, the Diffusion of Ideas Research Cluster at the Middle East Institute is interested to expand the theme of that discussion by exploring the sociological dimensions of Islamic finance and its institutions. We plan to examine a set of questions that may open up avenues into understanding the inner workings of the Sharia supervisory boards in various Islamic financial institutions in Southeast Asia and the Middle East. This webinar seeks to introduce to audiences about firstly, the roles of Sharia supervisory boards or SSBs in approving or disapproving financial products at Islamic financial institutions. Secondly, we also want to introduce to the audiences about the religious, legal and business frameworks under which the SSBs operate. And lastly, the extent of legal and religious authority that SSBs have in making a resolution. In that regard, some questions that will outline the discussion include, number one, how do SSBs or Sharia supervisory boards at financial institutions wield authority and influence in approving or disapproving financial products? Number two, what are the main similarities and differences between SSBs in Southeast Asia and the Middle East? Three, is it true that Sharia supervisory boards in the Middle East are more stringent than those in Southeast Asia, as some Islamic finance insiders claim? And number four, what are the socio-religious factors that could influence the fatwas or Islamic legal opinions issued by an SSB on a particular financial product? To answer those questions and more, we are privileged to have two industry experts who have a wealth of experience working in and on the global Islamic finance industry. Our first speaker is Dr. Said Nazim Ali, the Director of the Research Division at the Center for Islamic Economics and Finance and the College of Islamic Studies at Hamad bin Khalifa University. Dr. Ali has spent the last 30 years spearheading research in Islamic finance and faith-based initiatives in finance. He was the acting executive director of the Islamic Legal Studies Program from 2010 to 2013 at the Harvard Law School and founding director of the Islamic Finance Project at Harvard University since its establishment in 1995. He has also published several articles in referee journals and monographs, uh, and also a forthcoming volume co-edited with Zul Hakim Jumat, slated for publication in 2022, titled Islamic Finance and Secular Economy, Connecting Impact and Value Creation. Next, our second speaker is Mr. Muhammad Muzaihan Hamdan, the head of Sharia Singapore, as well as the director um, 
forgive me, the Associate Director of CIMB Islamic and Treasury and Markets at CIMB Bank Berhad. At Sharia Singapore, he provides Sharia advisory for all types of Islamic products to CIMB group of companies, including overseas branches in London, Brunei, and Hong Kong, as well as external parties. His involvement in notable deals in Singapore includes Sukuk issuances by the Islamic Religious Council of Singapore, MUIS, Sabana Reed, and City Developments Limited, in addition to growing CIMB Bank's Islamic financing and deposit to reach 2 billion Singaporean dollars. He also provides training on Sharia and Islamic banking and finance to CIMB group staff. He holds a Master of Arts in Islamic Banking, Finance and Management from Loughborough University, United Kingdom, and a Bachelor's Degree in Sharia from Kuwait University. A quick word on the format for today's webinar. Dr. Ali and Mr. Muhammad Muzaihan will each be given 20 minutes or so to present on the topic. Afterwards, we will be dedicating a good 40 minutes or so for question and answer. If you have any questions for the speakers, we encourage you to type them into the chat box and send them to MEI events, who will then forward them to me. Alternatively, you may also use the raise hand function if you wish to pose your question verbally. Now, without further ado, I would like to invite Dr. Said Nazim Ali to present on the topic. Over to you, Dr. Ali. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Uh, I thank you very much uh, for inviting me. And uh, on behalf of uh, the Center for Islamic Economics and Finance and the Hamad bin Khalifa University, I would like to extend my profound thanks you know, to the organizers. Uh, for organizing this is a very important uh, uh, I mean webinar and it's very close to my heart uh, during my experience at Harvard University always you know in our conferences the annual conference and then afterwards it becomes a biannual conference so the the debate about the Sharia governance uh, it's a framework was always you know at the top of our agenda so today I'm very you know honored actually to be myself you know present here and to, to talk about something which is close to my heart. And uh, also recently we did a book actually and published uh, from the Edinburgh University Press called Edinburgh Companion to Sharia Governance. So there's another thing. And in that, you know, we have invited quite a few of our scholars and, and the case studies from different countries. So maybe I will, I'll brief my talk, um, try to, to, to see how I can fit within the 20 minutes allocated to me. And uh, perhaps uh, more can come as part of the Q&A. And, uh, and uh, of course, my fellow speaker will also highlight you know, more uh, you know, examples of the practical, uh, practicality of these you know, gatekeepers. So first and foremost, as you know, that Islamic finance is an emerging in a sector. And uh, it's for the, for the past several you know, a few decades, and it becomes an internationally, you know, a renowned phenomenon and the, the numbers of the banks are increasing exponentially and uh, and and also the funds which have been managed under islamic finance are increasing you know quite you know you know the faster pace so so islamic finance as we all know that is com complied with the islamic sharia islamic law and uh, otherwise it cannot be islamic finance so that's the that's the main main element to differentiate from the conventional finance is Islamic finance is, is the, the interest, the usury. So 
that that is what it is i mean the, the usury is uh, is is uh, is something you know the definition of the usury is you know something which is it takes long time actually for us to to discuss and to to debate on it you know so i think for the purpose of this seminar we rather like to uh, uh, to to keep it you know simple and straightforward and um, there are there are uh, i mean in order to make it uh, you know to comply with this islamic you know is to call it islamic banks and islamic finance and it has to comply to the islamic you know to comply with the sharia which is islamic law and the law is consists of quran and hadith and um, the saying hadith is a saying of the prophet and ijma the consensus of uh, religious scholars so that's where i think uh, the governance comes actually and qiyas and analogies you know, from the quran and hadith text and the ijtihad which is scholarly reasoning the last two is not been actually it be normally it has been not been used in islamic finance but the ijma which is a consensus of its you know of uh, religious scholars that's what the ssbs are sharia uh, sharia scholars boards you know formed actually for that purpose so the primary requirement you know uh, the 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 primary requirement for finance is to be considered islamic is the financial transaction that must abide by the islamic prohibition of lava often you know translated as a interest or usury so so just to as i said that it's a, it's a long discussion but just to make it brief it's any increase in loan or a sale transaction you know that accrues you know to the lender seller or buyer without the provision of an equivalent counter value to the third to the other party and are in a way that you can say that riba is expressly prohibited in the quran and uh, and avoidance of riba is among the highest objectives of islamic finance and uh, so so that's why that's that's a that's a basic element that you know islamic finance institutions follow the other uh, requirement includes you know the avoidance of contractual uncertainties the error that's what we call you know error which is uncertainty and uh, gambling the miser or the excessive speculation or shifting the you know the risk on the other party and uh, etc so further more financing must uh, only be for halal permissible uh, purposes and not for haram which is prohibited purposes such as activities that are you know considered illicit in islam so that means we talk about the societal good societal welfare so that's all and uh, the sharia consensus we talked about the ijma which which is the which which the the, the any uh, i mean the, the the group of scholars they sit and they discuss about the the issues and they will have an agreement and they may have some kind of difference of opinion as well so sometimes the sharia scholars you know the the ijma is you know, maybe maybe what is in in the gulf cannot be the same actually in the other part of the world because it, it dominates the you know, it goes according to the environment so now the second the next slide uh, you know the the, the the what is sharia governance because in order to differentiate uh, between the islamic and, and, and non islamic banks so this sharia the 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 governance is the issue so the sharia presence of the sharia makes you know in the extra layer of his governance and that is what to make the islamic finance you know uh, different from the conventional finance so this sharia boards are independent oversight uh, and uh, is a group of people that sits as a sharia board and they issue the the fatwas and uh, resolutions to make the transactions that they are they are permissible or impermissible 
and uh, that's and and that when they look at the transaction they want to make sure that they have a mutual consent in it and they have a justice they look at the things like fairness and cooperation equity profit sharing and overall promotion of the societal good so that's how they make it you know sharia governments so then they the the they 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 this is all actually uh, in a way that the, the Sharia fatwas of the individual fatwas of the banks and the Sharia rulings, or I think in the past it has been compiled and make it available for public. So anybody who wants to go and check, you know, what has been, you know, uh, the resolutions of those banks like Al Barqa banks and King Kuwait Finance House and uh, some of the OIC, you know, agencies, the fatwas, they are compiled and make it available in the form of, you know. Uh, database, but right now I think uh, that has been stopped by Yusuf de Lorenzo, and uh, he compiled about more than 430 Sharias and translated into Arabic from Arabic to English. So, but now they are, they are, nobody has doing it because there are so many banks and so many Sharia rulings are coming out. So it's very difficult. And there is also in in for 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 the for the for the pronouncement, uh, you know, the Sharia. You know, I mean, you know, pronouncements or resolutions. You know, there is an audit committee also. And there is, uh, there is a that they will, they will, the internal Sharia board, and also sometimes they employ the external agencies to come and audit to make sure that the, the institution is complying to those Sharia, uh, you know, uh, governance and other Sharia rulings. Sometimes what happens, you know, the Sharia board member, you know, Sharia board has given the resolution, and sometimes the institution has not, you know, I mean, you know observe those those rules so i think uh, the auditors the the third party auditing committee are in you know in in you know in you know in place to to provide uh, and the guidance and then also the, the sharia compliance annual review report and uh, you know which is part of the auditing is also you know is is in place by you know in some you know by, by observed by some institutions um so what is a Sharia Sharia pronouncement? So uh, this is uh, uh, the the form of uh, the right now, uh, as you can see that uh, the form of an endorsement. So think uh, the 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 Sharia is, a, is it it is it's a legal opinion actually. It's a legal opinion is being discussed and uh, and as I say in the in, according to the guidance provided by the Quran and Hadith and and the uh, and the other, you know, the, the tools that the Sharia scholars use it to make that uh, uh, the transaction is a halal, and uh, and uh, sometimes, you know, the the some of these uh, 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 see the, the 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 fatwas emanating, you know, from this uh, uh, Islamic finance institution by uh, by giving those rulings, you know, sometimes you know uh, they they're perceived as a halal certification. And uh, and maybe it's some and they are not binding and they are not uh, uh, suppose uh, they they are, they are uh, it is commonly argued that within the industry that the current process of issuing the fatwas within the industry lack transparency, lack of sufficient disclosure, that there is a much room for improvement. Uh, uh, in in the absence of an institutional process for issuing a fatwa that takes into account the full context of the fatwas and its its impact on public 
there's an expected there, there, there is expected to be a significant discrepancy in the fatwa issued by the different sharia experts that could lead to uncertainty in the market for islamic finance so that means you know they're non binding actually and uh, when um, uh, while we refer to the sharia as islamic law in the context of islamic finance the sharia does not actually serve as the law it can be understood as being the source of driving ethical principles for finding out from an islam from from an islamic perspective what is permissible or what is prohibited so that's a legal validity is provided by another legal under, you know order that is usually english law in you know in a, in a, in a global islam in global in a global islam financial transaction in the world of islamic finance the sharia is not perceived as a law per se rather it is perceived as uh, as uh, uh, perceived as uh, uh, you can say uh, perceived as the law uh, 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 which is referred as, as a sharia risk that is uh, the chance that an islamic finance transaction is challenged on the basis that it does not comply with islamic law so it's it's a it's a, it's a when we say perceived as a risk you know here in islamic finance law provides transaction security that makes transaction enforceable in court in a, in islamic finance sharia is is perceived as a, as a risk that allows the transaction to be attacked on the basis that it did not conform to islamic legal principles uh, yeah that's um, so now the the next slide you can see the variety of levels of uh, sharia scholars board and uh, the the this this is there is a variety actually here you know uh, because the, each has a different role in that variety internal sharia board external sharia board at the at the national level and the consultant sharia board or you can say consultants you know so so in some countries external sharia boards are formed as the national level in the form of a centralized sharia committee situated at the national central bank or our securities exchange commission rather than you know auditing each individual islamic financial institutions products and services the primary role of the national sharia board or the central sharia committee is usually to issue binding fatwas for the local islamic finance uh, industry and finance institutions to adhere to so the, that's about the the the, the centralized sharia board now when it comes to consultant boards or another type of external boards uh, in, in that you know islamic finance institution may seek the services of a consultant for example like uh, in the united kingdom and india or so united states you know they seek the you know the services of the consultant sharia board on an ad hoc basis or for advice on specific issues or products so because they don't have the full fledged islamic finance institutions to to have ssbs you know ssb so instead you know they will they will bring an expert who is knowledgeable in islamic finance and islamic law to act upon it in cases the islamic finance does not have an in house you know this the sharia board so and use it is consulted for the purpose of this you know uh, for certifying certifying uh, the the transactions and, uh, and there are number of institutions work you know in the uk united states and you know elsewhere in india the parts of the world where they 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 don't have the proper sharia board but they do 
uh, employ, they do bring the consultants to help them. The international level, uh, usually the, the cooperation of the government of different countries, you know, operating in different, you know, uh, uh, different regions. The most uh, prominent examples of these SSBs uh, of the, uh, the, uh, the IOFI, uh, the, pre the, 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 the primary role uh, that uh, these institutions to provide you know, some sort of standing, you know, standard body to standardize the fatwas so that to, 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 to harmonize the situation in, you know, globe, you know, in, in the international level. Uh, so the central committees formed by the IFSB or IS, you know, IOFIs, you know, uh, issuing the guidelines of the Sharia standards to be followed by various Islamic financial institutions. Uh, the, the types of Sharia scholar boards formation uh, is uh, the man, you know, it's a, it's a, it, in, in many jurisdictions, as I said, the regulatory authorities issue the Islamic financial institutions license to operate. For example, in some countries, the central banks take the responsibility and, uh, and they will, they, they have the, the centralized Sharia board and the group of Sharia experts who review an Islamic financial institution product or services and issue fatwas are commonly referred to the, 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 within the, you know, the industry as a Sharia board. And they are the one actually who sits in those Sharia board to, to, uh, to work on, uh, you know, giving, you know, the, 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 uh, the, 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 the far, far, uh, I mean, issuing the fatwas. The Sharia scholars, uh, uh, I mean, undertake their review in the role as a member of the Sharia supervisory board, an organization unit that is composed of usually three or more Sharia scholars who mandate to review the Sharia compliance of Islamic finance institutions. So this is how the, 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 the Sharia board works actually. In Sometimes, you know, there are three Sharia boards, sometimes there are five Sharia boards, sometimes, you know, even in the Sharia boards, you know, they are trying to bring some time economists uh, to, to give them some sort of, you know, opinion about uh, the, the, the products and services. So the Sharia committees normally is consisting of three to four and five members, and it can be less than that also, depending actually on the Islamic finance institution. So in many jurisdictions, the formation of, you know, you know, say Sharia board is mandatory by the regulatory authority that issues, you know, the Islamic finances, you know, institutions is licenses to operate. For example, if the central bank has decided that, okay, we are giving the license of Islamic finance to operate it. So they will have this, it is, it is, uh, I mean, it's mandated by this, by this, the central bank that you should have to have Sharia board and it's an authentic Sharia board. And that's what to be approved by the, by the central bank. So that's a requirement. In other jurisdictions, the Articles of Association of Islamic Finance Institutions of the IOFI specify that the Islamic Finance Institutions with the, with, 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 will form an SSB, which is Sharia Scholars Board, regardless of whether or not regulated, uh, reg regulators mandated it, ma mandates it, you know. So this is, uh, this is the, some, some of these, uh, uh, you know, jurisdictions which where, where, uh, they have, uh, uh, you know, the the, the specialized the, the 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 guidelines, you know, for the Sharia Sharia boards to observe, you know, by the central bank. In few of the jurisdiction where there is a strong state endorsed centralized Sharia board uh, Sharia committees, though IFIS Islamic Finance Institution can rely on 
on this central Sharia board of Sharia supervision and guidelines and hence would not necessarily need to form their own Sharia board. So meaning that, you know, the centralized Sharia boards, they take care of the function of the individual bank Sharia boards. So that means the central centralized uh, Sharia board will work with individual banks. So that means whatever is decision has been given by the central Sharia board or, or the Sharia board of the central bank, which will be followed by the individual financial institutions. So, so, so perhaps uh, there are more differences in sometimes what happens, you know, there, there are, uh, in the far, in, in this, uh, 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 the, among the Sharia board members, you know, there, there, there is sometimes what happens and in the different jurisdictions, you know, the, 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 the form, uh, uh, they, they follow the different school of thoughts, but the variation among the school of thoughts are very less actually, but uh, for example, the, there are some school of thoughts actually, with the, you know, when you follow the guidelines like Hanafi school of thought, Hanbali school of thought, but 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 majority but majority of them actually it's 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 not about the thoughts, it's about the socio-economic situation, socio-economic you know political problems, political economic dimension that influences the market, that influences the decision. But what is allowed, for example, in a, in a country uh, in a region. Uh, may differ with with other maybe because of the the the, the political environment political dimension for example uh, suppose the sharia board members allowed in in india for example to have some certain transactions and they may not be the same in in the arab gulf countries or similarly what is in in malaysia may not be the same in the gulf uh, or even gulf countries so uh, now the we, we go to the types of uh, uh, types of Sharia governance system and relevant stakeholders. So here uh, we're talking about the four board broad categories. So here legally constructed regimes. So I think sometime back when Pakistan in you know they announced that entire Islamic banking is uh, the entire banking system in Pakistan is Islamic, and similarly Sudan also announced it and iran has also announced it so that means you know this is the you know overall any bank any financial you know institution in those region they're all uh, con considered to be you know islamic you know i mean the, the, their transaction are islamic so that is like a legally constructed region but right now i think uh, pakistan has changed the law and sudan i'm not sure but iran still followed but by the way I just just going through one of the Harvard Law School has prepared in you know, moving towards an you know, Islamic financial regime in Pakistan. This was the uh, the booklet, you know, published by us, you know, when I was there, uh, Professor Sanan, as something that was an occasional paper. So, but now, so for, for uh, it's uh, Pakistan has changed, so they have a more or less like Islamic banks as well as a conventional banks. So, for conventional Islamic banks have a special regulations uh, stipulated by the State Bank of Pakistan, and in whereas in Iran. The UCD Free Banking Act, you know, which in 1983 is still in force. So now, then, then we have a passive Sharia governance regimes. You know, here um, uh, where we have may possess you know, Islamic banking laws and regulation in a, and they may have active you know Sharia board members at each. You know, for example, the central bank has a special governance you know uh, for, for the banks to follow. Sharia Islamic banks to follow. So in that governance, you know, they require the Sharia boards to be formulated, the Sharia boards to be uh, to be in 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 operation. 
So that examples like Gulf countries and Kuwait and UAE, and in the, there, there, are, there are several, you know, Islamic finance institutions, and the, there are special laws for Islamic finance institutions uh, in addition to the conventional banks in those countries. And uh, <clears throat> the robust Sharia governance system, which is uh, which we we just uh, we talked about a dual banking system, you know, for Malaysia, Pakistan, Indonesia, examples of those countries, you know, they follow the Islamic laws and uh, Islamic banking laws, and uh, provides a clear guidance, you know, for uh, for 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 the Sharia boards, you know, to function uh, within that the national framework. And we mentioned about the market-driven Sharia governance regimes, you know, which are again there is a there is a demand for, for example, there is a demand for Islamic, you know, uh, mortgages, home, you know, home mortgages system, and so they wanted to start something, so they have to have a consultant instead of Sharia board, you know, full-fledged Sharia board costs more money for the institution. For example, like guidance capital in in the United States, you know, or some some institutions in UK also they have they are market-driven. And that's that's how you know uh, there's uh, another example could be Singapore too. You know, they are the market. There's a, there is a demand coming for Islamic banking, and uh, and there there are institutions. You know, they want to to serve that that the that particular population. So they have to have a market-driven you know Sharia governance. You know, so this is how it is legally constructed regimes. The robust Sharia governance regime, which is having dual banking system and passive Sharia governance system, where they have specialized specialized law and they do function, and the market-driven Sharia governance regimes. So uh, then, then the the social dimension issues, uh, Sharia governance. Uh, I mean, uh, the problem with Islamic banks today is that the Sharia scholars have only look to to fiqh and ignore the other branches of sharia which is uh, you know tawhid and tasawwuf that's how we uh, you know some of the scholars have criticized about that and fiqh scholars you know uh, just uh, look at the rules but tawhid scholars look at the logical behind the you know behind the rules so so like uh, the debate was you know like uh, form versus substance it goes on so the the Savuf scholars special you know specialty is you know this the spirit and the question of intention and sincerity and the fiqh scholar will look at uh, a, you know like uh, for example um, uh, at a chicken uh, and only ask if it is was slaughtered according to fiqh rules or not but the Savuf scholar will look at how the chicken was raised where the money to buy the you know from where the, the money was you know from from the money to buy the chicken came from and so forth so it's a it's a debate it goes on actually form versus substance and this is uh, this is uh, this is somehow uh, is quite uh, uh, you know i mean active actually still today in in any conferences if you go there in for example people say that microfinance there is a there's a there is a split, but there is a good the, the farm is not you know Sharia compliant. But whereas it comes to Islamic finance, there is a farm, but the substance is still you know challengeable. So and there is also another criticism came actually on the social soci sociological dimension issue of this SBB is the the gatekeepers. The Sharia Sharia scholars consider a Sharia board 
considered to be the gatekeeper of you know Islamic finance our institutions definitely they are you know they they have bigger role to play an important role to play and uh, and there is also a question came about the the wages of labor the wage of labor you know like uh, they have been um, uh, some somehow uh, uh, they have been criticized about uh, that uh, when islam is the sharia scholar works for a sharia board and is employed by a bank so the conflict of interest the accountability to islam for institution you know uh brings you know certain 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 issues so some you know it's a it's a it's again you know uh is a lot of a, a, you know debate goes on and that you know when when the when the, when the sharia scholars are not independent and but they are employed by the banks naturally uh they're 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 i mean they 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 are faithful or they are somehow obligated to to work and to 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 uh, make those contract you know sharia compliance contract so become maybe in a way that sometimes they become lenient and uh, lenient you know in in showing that okay or you know maybe for this purpose you know we 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 think that you know this is allowed this should be allowed and perhaps they may have reasoning for doing that maybe they think that okay if they don't do that in instead of the banks may go ahead and do it you know so instead they 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 use the hikma of allowing them to go ahead and do but but for the for for the clientele you know it and for the others you know the, those who are scholars so it it makes them feel very uneasy that how it is uh, you know uh, you know i mean uh, permissible when we see the clear you know conflict of interest and that you know is a difference of opinion there just as i said that there is a difference of opinion on that you know so and then the monopoly yeah i mean um, some of these uh, there is a shortage of sharia scholars definitely it was in 90s and 2000 but now i think more and more young scholars are coming and uh, I, until they get established themselves as a sharia scholars uh, and known to be sharia scholars in the community it takes time but definitely a few scholars are there and working in different banks more than sometimes 10 banks 15 banks and that creates a conflict of interest definitely and uh, this is this is and uh, the remuneration part that they, they they take the money or they take the the, the fee uh, for, for from each bank so when you take the money i mean you take the remuneration and you are obligated uh, to work and to 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 render your services so so that's the problem and um, and uh, perhaps uh, as we go on maybe maybe Uh, the new scholars will come and uh, and uh, the the old scholars and also we can see that recently you know in the during the last few months you know we have two important scholars scholars passed away hussein hamid hassan from egypt abdul sattar abuda may allah bless their souls you know and uh, now the, the 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 other scholars you know those who have been serving different banks like sheikh nizam yaqubi and sheikh mohammed algari dr mohammed algari and um, they are uh, they are uh, they are you know and sheikh taqi usman they are not you know i mean they are, they are, their their health is not permitting them to travel and uh, so you can see that the 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 the, the old sharia scholars like abdul sattar abuda and hussein hamid hassan you know they they are no more no longer work and professor khurshid ahmed you know one of the founder of islamic finance and you know like umar chapra uh, you know 
and Najatullah Siddiqui and Muhammad Arif are top, all this top, you know, Islamic economists and some of the Islamic economists turn into Sharia. They're all aging actually. So I think uh, there is an opportunity that we need, we need to look into that, you know, we need to, you know, I think uh, uh, the, there's an opportunity for the younger scholars to come and, you know, occupy the position and serve, you know, the industry. The lack of diversity, yes, indeed. Uh, I mean, you know, we, the, the Sharia scholars are dominated by women and, um, and we need to be, you know, open up, you know, there, there's hardly one or two maybe women scholars. I think uh, they, should, they, should, they should look into that sort of things also. We should encourage the, the, the diversity in that, you know, to bring, uh, you know, the women scholars also to work along with the new scholar. And um, yeah, this is uh, the, 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 the Fatiha shopping for, you know, this is quite, uh, uh, I mean, what happens, you know, when the, in the, when, especially in, in the international market, the, the, this is becoming a little bit more actually uh, for, for shopping uh, that uh, uh, some institution look upon uh, uh, the, the fatwas, the scholars who can, you know, uh, you know perhaps uh, favorably, you know, act upon in the interest of the institution. Or, or maybe you have given in the, the fatwas to you know, in an institution and they will just bring it and they will say, okay, all right, we will also adopt the same one and they'll stamp it. So this is, this is, uh, this is kind of a, a problem actually. In, in the past, actually, when the Islamic finance institution started, I have observed myself very closely in Bahrain, especially in 1990s, mid nineties. So they were pretty strict about the Sharia boards, you know, individual opinion, individual scholars, had no say at all on Islamic banking, Islamic, you know, for any contract, unless and until that, uh, that transaction has been seen and authenticated by a group of scholars. So, but now uh, the market is so big and uh, the demand is so high and the supply is becoming less in some cases, you know. So what happens, you know, this scholar, you know, scholar shopping or shafatwa shopping is becoming. So the, this scholar is good. Okay, we'll go to this scholar because he will, he's lenient and he will tell us, okay, this is halal, we can use it. Or this scholar is hard. So just shy away from him, you know, maybe he's strict. So let's not have him. So this is, this attitude is also adopted by some of the financial institutions. So that's again, you know, uh, that's a, definitely, this is one of the most one of the important social sociological dimension issue that we are we are seeing right now, and uh, the state uh, Sharia governance and the state relationship. You know, this is a this is a natural result of you know centralizing the process of you know, Sharia governance. You know, the the uh, this is a this is a uh, this is the most important one and uh, and uh, entangled with the state's you know, agenda. So uh, some of the some of the states, you know, they do want to promote Islamic banking. So that means, you know, the Sharia governance has been there, and they, they will they will tell the Islamic banks to to make this uh, to 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 allow these things to happen. And some states, you know, they are strict about it and they don't observe. For example, like uh, Oman is a good example of that. You know, when they start Islamic banking, they say Tawaruk is not allowed. So that was uh, that was something. You know, it, it, it's it's very clear cut. You know decision. So, so that, that kind of uh, uh, Sharia governance and state relationship, you know, can, can get into, I mean, uh, I mean, that's, 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 that sort of relationship, we can see that it is happening. And 
concluding remarks, you know, I would certainly think that um, the, uh, the myself being, you know, working with the, with the Sharia uh, scholars and Sharia board members uh, for the number of years, you know, uh, during my, my days at Harvard. And uh, I feel that they are the backbone or say that they're indefinitely the honorable gatekeepers of Islamic finance. And uh, it is the presence of Sharia board, actually, Sharia scholars board that creates the confidence among its clients. And they are the reference points to authenticate the system based on their collective know-how of sources of Islamic law. And that's exactly the common citizens and I have no idea at all, you know, uh, they don't have time even to go and, you know, to, to verify whether it's, it's halal or haram. So they depend on the Sharia scholars to say that this is right, this is halal, so this is permissible. So the presence of this Sharia board in Islamic finance is one of the most common visible feature that distinguishes the Islamic finance institutions from the conventional financial institutions. So there's the, the Sharia board form an extra layer of governance in the Islamic finance as in any potential disruption incur you know, Sharia compatibility risk. So when somebody says that how the Islamic finance is governed, so the, 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 one of the speakers who came to Harvard University from the US Treasury Department, he said that this Islamic finance follow the extra layer of governance, which is the Sharia governance. So that makes you know, the banks more authenticated, more governed. You know? you know, I mean, that they're not only governed by the state law, but also an additional layer of governance, which is a Sharia board, you know, presence of the Sharia board makes that, you know, by, to authenticate it some more, you know, uh, I mean, more, um, uh, you know, it, 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 it put the extra layer of governance. So having said that, I would like to mention that any field, you know, in our industry, you know, is, you know, Islamic finance are also somewhat, is also has some shortcomings and that needs to be addressed in terms of, you know, Sharia board, just like I mentioned. Not to forget that the, the progress or change in the behavior of the global system requires adoptability that is approved, approved by, from a Sharia uh, perspective. And it should be appreciated the Sharia board have never uh, shielded to accept the shortcomings and work for its development as the nature of their work is basically accountability to God. So they are not shy away. They do accept that there are things, there are the improvements to be done and there are problems and that needs to be improved. So yet, you know, I believe that the Sharia, Sharia scholars and the Sharia scholars board and its members should be highly applauded for their work and their noticeable concern for the conscious, uh, for their continuous maintenance and nature of the industry, nurture of the industry. So I thank you very much uh, for the opportunity and I'll be happy to, uh, to, to take any questions uh, with regard to, to my presentation. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Ali, for uh, you know providing us with the lay of the land uh, and also providing your insights about uh, Sharia governance in the industry. Uh, we have uh, already questions coming in, and just a quick word about uh, the questions uh, or posing questions. If you if you would like to do that, uh, please type them into the chat box and send them to MEI Events, who will then forward your questions to me. Please note that we are not taking verbal questions for this webinar. Okay, so without further ado, I would like to invite uh, Mr. Muhammad Nuzaihan uh, to present his, his part. Okay. Uh, 
Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'atahu sahla wa anta tajahadana in syaita sahla qala Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam la tadkhulu hatta tu'minu wa la tu'minu hatta tahabbu awaladukum idza fa'tum tahabbtum afi salama bainakum fa qulu assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and a good uh, afternoon or good morning everyone um thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity to share a bit because uh, uh, I thought you're giving 20 minutes and uh, I believe uh, Dr. Said has uh, uh, actually covered most, if not all. <laughs> uh, so uh, maybe uh, what, what I can do is uh, in terms of uh, the uh, practical side of things, uh, because uh, mashallah, uh, Dr. Said has uh, shared a lot in terms of uh, what is finance, what is Islamic finance, uh, what is Sharia governance. Um, but in terms of the practicality of site, uh, because um, I noticed in the participants, uh, there's friends, colleagues, and familiar names here. So that to do justice for the attendance here, um, maybe uh, I'll add a bit in terms of uh, why is this uh, SSB, the Sharia Committee, is important, and why they are there in the first place. On top of what has been mentioned by the other side, is uh, in terms of uh, what you call that uh, confidence. Convenience of a particular um, uh, community or particular uh, uh, government uh, to a particular product, so that is being endorsed. So, if I I, I I use a lot of analogy or context from a Singapore context, say for example, um, if one was to have a particular product that is being endorsed by a certain, say for example, Sharia committee, um, then it will affect to the uh, community to actually get that service or enjoy that service because they know that this has been endorsed. Similarly to the, so for example, the halal certification in Singapore. So if an entity is halal certified by, by MUIS, um, the community will be uh, at, at ease or at peace when they go out to eat. So they know that it's, it's halal certified. So similarly to any Islamic finance products, um, <clears throat> When you have a Sharia pronouncement, what is being mentioned, what was mentioned by Dr. Said, uh, people will be uh, feel more confident. Uh, and because if we also know in terms of uh, segments in a bank, so in a bank there's a there's a, a few segments, uh, namely consumer, uh, corporate, uh, and then you have your FIG. So maybe in terms of the uh, composition of the uh, SSB uh, for any particular uh, banks or is Islamic financial institution or financial institution for that matter, uh, mostly resolve around the local uh, scholars or we call it, maybe you can call them local asatizas or local scholars. Uh, reason being, um, they would know the uh, so-called social needs of the community better than anyone else, okay? So why this is important? This is important is because when a particular FIs or IFIs for that matter, because like, again, similarly mentioned by Dr. Said in terms of the um, how is uh, the Islamic bank or how an Islamic financial institution is being uh, so-called integrated into the uh, community or into the system. Is either a standalone bank, Islamic bank, or within a certain framework, right? So, the composition of this um, Sharan committee is very important because they know the community well, they know the community better, so that when any certain products come to their uh, table, 
in terms of approval, they will digest it uh, and keeping in mind the uh, social needs of this uh, community in hand. So I can give a, a practical example, uh, for example, in Singapore, for example, right? When we want to introduce a particular product, say for example, um, Dr. Syed mentioned about a commodity Murabaha, right? Which is a Tawaru, for example, which is a very, very long debate and the debate will, will forever continue because um, we can see a glass, a glass half full or a glass half empty, right? And difference in opinion is normal. It, it happened during the time of the Prophet Wasallam when even the, the, the Sahaba had to give fatwas when they are away from the Prophet Wasallam, and later on the Prophet had to ratify them or conquer them, right? So moving forward also, there will be different in opinion and that's, that's how ijma is, that's how uh, ijtihad is in terms of uh, coming to a sharia uh, fatwa or sharia pronouncement. Right, so uh, coming back to the social needs. So in, in, in a Singapore context, for example, um, in, in a commodity, Marbaha, we, we, we face the, the, the issue of when doing uh, marketing, for example. So and, and, and I think another part that is uh, important to mention here is also in terms of uh, how do we market an, an Islamic product as well, right? So as to be uh, as competitive with uh, any other products out there. So when we say, for example, if a particular bank uses, a, a, say, for example, a HIBA concept of um, deposit, for example, HIBA giving, HIBA is a gift, right? So based on the Sharia requirement is that you cannot shout the reads when you are using HIBA. Why? Because HIBA is a gift. Because, for example, Fauzan, if I want you to give you a gift, you cannot say to me, uh, Zayan, uh, you can only give me $5. Not more, not less, but it's a gift. I can give you five dollars. I can give you fifty cents. I can give you hundred dollars, right? So, if we were to do that to an Islamic product here in Singapore, there are possibilities that oh, people might not bank with you. Why? Because you can't promise any rates, right? So the perception in terms of whether the religiosity of that community or whether the community, when they do banking with a particular bank, is it because of religiosity or is it because of profitability? All right. So studies have been done, for example, that most of the people, when they do banking, they look at the rates, right? So when, when we cut short the rates, how do we market that product? So that product might be inferior as compared to uh, the other products. Okay, so that, these are the kind of things that the Sharia committee or the SSB actually um, uh, consider when a paper is tabled to them. And relating to that as well, what I want to highlight here that is very important in terms of practicality of the Sharia governance is that before reaching the uh, SSB or Sharia committee or Sharia board, all right, there is a team working on all this uh, groundwork in terms of preparing the memos, preparing the uh, so-called <clears throat> uh, submission to the Sharia committee in terms of the product that they want to introduce. And this is very this is very important. Why? This can mitigate and eliminate the issue in terms of uh, fatwa shopping and so forth. Why? Because the information and the data and the statistic must be correct when presented to the board Sharia committee. Then, hence, uh, why we mentioned earlier the importance of having local scholars to a particular board so that 
um, they know the norms, the needs of that particular uh, community. All right. And then when they debate, they deliberate on a particular product, uh, and I've experienced it before. Even my colleague here, uh, maybe Rokila also, right? we have experienced it before where certain Sharia scholars, when they are uh, not in agreement to a particular uh, product, they will say it out loud and say that I don't agree with this. Please put a note in the minutes so that so that people know that uh, so and so is not agreeable to this. And we had that. And we also had products being rejected by the Shanghai committee because for one reason or another. Right? And when a Sharia pronouncement is being issued, right? Uh, it's 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 meant to be shared to the community, yes, right? But again, uh, like what Dr. Said mentioned, uh, because there's, there's a lot of uh, fatwas out there. Uh, and when I do my programs, when I do my uh, 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 teachings, when I teach my students, I will always share what is there in the, in, in, in the market. So they will know how a fatwa looks like. How, so, so that to build, like we mentioned earlier, to build that uh, confidence, like, oh, I, have, I, I want to have this product, right? I want to enjoy this product. Say, for example, in Singapore or in Malaysia or in Brunei or in Thailand, or this, I, want, I want this product. This is very good. But I'm not sure whether is it for me as a Muslim, is it permissible for me to do so? So when I see that fatwa, they will say, oh, I'm confident enough that hey, this is, has been endorsed by uh, Sheikh so-and-so, right? And uh, the, the committee itself, not as an individual, for example. And that will result in them having... So um, in terms of the uh, accessibility to the fatwa, it's something that I agree uh, with Dr. Said that it's something that we need to work on uh, because it's not much uh, circulated in the market, right? And in terms of uh, Sharia governance, these Sharia boards, we uh, usually meet, for example, for CIMB, right? Uh, the, the example is that they meet every six weeks. They meet up every six weeks. Uh, and this kind of meetups is very, uh, meetings are very good. Not only because it, to, to, to discuss uh, issues that the bank or the financial institution might have, but also to reduce the gap, reduce to diverge all the different opinion. The more you discuss, the more um, uh, understanding that you have, right? I think there was there was a query uh, or a note uh, questioning whether what is the similarity between the two boards or uh, in the Southeast Asia as compared to the Middle East, for example, right? I believe it's actually it's the same. There's no whichever is stricter or whichever is not stricter. Uh, it's just how, uh, unfortunate, unfortunately, how the media um, put it across in terms of, okay, the Middle Eastern, these are uh, fatwas that they provide, or oh, the Malaysians are more liberal, this is how they are doing it. But, but, but in actual fact, uh, they are quite uh, working close together. Uh, the likes of the IOF, the likes of the uh, uh, Majlima Fik Islami, when they, they come out a particular uh, pronouncement or fatwa, which is very general, uh, and a lot of them are, are in agreement uh, of these uh, rulings or charter rulings. And uh, another thing that I also want to share is, is that uh, these Sharia committees, though diverse, uh, they are always open for, for, for discussions, right? Because they agree to disagree. The, the, the one thing, 
the one thing based on my humble experience of like maybe 10, 15 years with, with the bank yeah, banking industry is that these Shara scholars are so humble, very, very humble in a sense that they do not mind. They will, are always open for discussions, right? To have a better understanding. Hey, Zion, why can we do this in uh, Middle East? Can we do this in, 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 the, in Southeast Asia or in, in Singapore? Oh, don't talk about Middle East. Singapore and Indone in, in Indonesia or Singapore and Brunei or Singapore and Malaysia, there are differences in opinion as well. But more discussions are being done to, 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 to narrow that gap, right? So that uh, at the end of the day, it's for the benefit of the ummah. It's for the benefit of the consumers, right? Because uh, these Sharia scholars are, and even ourselves are answerable to, to, to Allah uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala, to, to, to God. In that sense, yeah. So, actually, what uh, 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 Mr. Fauzan, what I wanted to share is in, in terms of the practicality uh, of uh, a paper. Say, for example, there's a demand for a particular product. Uh, it, it's it is brought up to the so-called certain banks, certain FIs, they have the Islamic department or Sharia department, which actually study this uh, product, research them before actually presenting it to the board sharing committee. And the board sharing committee will take time to deliberate, to discuss before issuing any fatwa and pronouncement. And, uh, and this kind of pronouncement and fatwa is being audited, is being, uh, is, uh, is being uh, tackled from a risk perspective, from a compliance perspective, and they are reviewed uh, every maybe six to six months to one year. So that we see the benefit of it. Uh, or non-benefit of it, or, and then how we can tweak it, right? So for example, a particular, we issue, the bank issue a particular pronouncement for a particular product, it will be monitored for the next, for example, six months. Uh, what's the impact? Is there a positive impact? Then good, alhamdulillah, we leave it as well, or is there anything that we can improve? Or if there's a negative impact, then the, we will be brought back to the board sharing committee or the SSB, and we'll discuss further, like, how do, do we continue with the product? Uh, what is the effect to the community? Is it negative? Is it negative? How we make it positive to find solutions? So, like, because I, I work with the likes of like Dr. Dok Baka, Dr. Shane Nizam Yakubi, uh, Yusuf Shabeli, and so forth. What these Shara scholars want is um, the, the, the community to benefit from Islamic banking and finance. And they will always, always look for solutions. Yeah. So uh, I think I think that's that's the point that I want to share uh, today, uh, Mr. Fauzan. I think that's all for me. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Nuzaihan, for uh, you know a very uh, succinct but I think very relevant uh, input. Uh, in addition to what uh, Dr. Ali has also presented about uh, the Sharia governance in Islamic finance, uh, I think we already have a couple of questions. Um, I'm going to group some of them together so that um, in, the, in the interest of time, so that you know you can both address whichever questions you think uh, you might be able to answer. So um, this is a group of uh, I think three questions or four questions rather uh, posed by uh, Devika uh, Pillay. So she's uh, um, I think it's a she. Um, so the question asks. Um, can non-Muslims also invest in Islamic banks and finance? And an extension to that question that I would like to add is, uh, what are the advantages of uh, investing in Islamic products or Islamic banks and finance for um, non-Muslims, right? And um, in the event of conflict of interest, or sorry, uh, in the event of conflicting 
uh, laws between local laws and Islamic laws, which law takes precedence, right? If it's a local law that takes precedence, how would one deal with complying with it? And thirdly, what are the challenges and improvements that could be implemented in Islamic banks uh, in contrast to conventional banks? Uh, and also some of the laws, rules of Islamic finance seem irrelevant or outdated in current times. Do rules keep getting updated over time? I'm going to post, I know they, those are a lot of questions. I'm going to post them in our chat box um, uh, so that you can refer to them. But uh, probably, you know, I might want to get Mr. Nuzaihan to start off uh, with the answer. Can non-Muslims also invest in Islamic banks and finance and what advantages are there for that? Okay, uh, thank you, Mr. Fawzan. I think uh, you gave me the hardest question that the doctor said. MashaAllah, very good question. Thank you for the question. Um, well, Islamic finance is for, is for everyone, uh, regardless Muslim or non-Muslims. Uh, that's the uh, so-called, uh, not, not say barrier, but that is what we uh, face, or again because of the media, how, how media portrays it, um, and, and and the good thing is that Islamic banking and finance is for for everyone, um, regardless of your background, uh, ethnicity, your religion, and whatnot. Uh, and I, I, I give example um, even in Singapore context again even in Singapore the likes of Malaysia, Brunei, uh, because majority uh, of of our, we are a non-majority Muslim country, right? So we are Muslims are minorities, um, but yet we see the numbers are growing year 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 on year. Uh, why? Because uh, the uh, non-Muslims uh, see the uh, benefits of state banking and finance, uh, and also the the the, the investments. Uh, in terms of benefits, uh, maybe uh, they will call it like a value proposition, right? Uh, previously, it was quite tough to answer this question, but uh, recently, because of the uh, emergence of the lack of the ESG, VBI, and so forth, so we can see that a lot, a lot of them, uh, I think uh, our brother uh, Zul Hakim and Dr. Said is working on that. So, uh, the, for example, uh, ESG, right? The, the, the main principles between, between ESG and Islamic finance is, is there's a lot, a lot of similarity. Maybe about 90 95% of it is the same. So that you don't do tobacco, you don't do liquor, you don't do pornography, and so forth. So, um, long story short, uh, it's, it's, it's open. Uh, so, that's why the, the common question that we always get like, hey, uh, we notice that this uh, uh, Islamic product. Uh, have a very good rate, for example. We put our deposit in this particular bank. By all means, it doesn't say that it's only for Muslims. It can, it can be for, 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 for everyone, right? So you can have, you can have that. Uh, or we want to invest in this particular, but this seems like an like a, uh, Islamic pension fund. Is it okay for us to invest? It's, 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 it's an issue because it's, it's, yeah, it's in line with your principles and, 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 and it's beneficial to you. Knowing that you have a peace of mind that your money is not used for uh, certain things that maybe might go against your principles. For example, the example that I gave them for the ESG, for example. Yeah. So so yeah. I mean, in 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 conclusion, that uh, we it's open because uh, I, because I think in 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 the Southeast Asia context, uh, they are more 
uh, non-Muslim than Muslims, but the numbers are growing in terms of uh, those who are enjoying or uh, utilizing Islamic solutions in Southeast Asia. Yeah. Okay, so in the interest of time, uh, I would like to invite Dr. Ali to probably address the second and fourth question about Islamic law. So when Islamic law and local law contradict each other, which one takes precedence? And also, um, uh, are there any updates that are being done to the Islamic laws governing uh, Islamic financial products? Sure. Well, thank you very much. If you, <clears throat> if you allow me to, 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 uh, to add uh, to Mr. Muhammad what he mentioned about the benefits you know, for the non-Muslims, you know, I was saying that uh, the performance-wise, you know, the number of uh, the funds are doing great job, actually. And uh, like a mono-mutual fund and the Tata has also in India established some Islamic funds. So you can see that... Uh, that um, you don't have to be a Muslim to be, you know, to invest in Islamic banks. And uh, like he has given a very good example of the ESG, you know, and uh, and the, the Islamic banks, as you as I, be, as I mentioned, uh, that is, uh, if we look for the societal goods, you know, and uh, the social welfare. So so that's an advantage over the conventional conventional investments. So with regard to that, Islam, the local law versus you know Islamic law. Of course, as you see that uh, we, we often actually encounter this issue back in, uh, used to be in, in, in the law school, people used to come over there, how this Islamic finance works, you know. So here we say that there are A, B, C. A is a financial engineers, you know, the financial institution, they develop the contract, and the B is a Sharia, is, is a lawyers, the, 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 they like to make sure that, they want to make sure that, you know, that all these Islamic finance transactions are complied to the local law. And the Sharia scholars are extra layer, you know, just to make sure that, you know, there is just like what I mentioned about the fairness and the justice and no exploitation, etc. So at the end of the day, when it comes to, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a law, actually, the local law take the precedent over the Islamic law in, 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 the, in, the, in the current structure right now. Until if the government announced that our, 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 our law is Islamic law, that's a different thing. But right now, the way that it's been operated, it's, it's like this. So the good example is the, the dollar gas of, uh, you know, of UAE, that when the dollar gas, uh, you know, uh, had an issue. So when in the UAE, in the Dubai, they discuss about, you know, uh, in the local court. So that's how it is. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a very important people to know that, you know, it's um, the Islamic financial products and services we have. It's complied with the local, you know, uh, you know the, the, the law of the land, the local law. You know. And with regard to the, <clears throat> the, the, the other, other question about, yes, of course, uh, there, there's a lot that Islamic finance institution can, can learn. This is because they are still just an emerging market. So the, there's a lack of professionalism. So they have to work and to make themselves, you know, more professional in terms of, you know, you know, their, their reporting and transparency and etc. And secondly, there is a lack of standardization uh, across the, the whole industry. So perhaps, uh, you know, they can work on that as well uh, to see that, you know, how the standards can be developed and, and uh, could be observed across the industry. So, so yes, of course, there is a lot that one can learn from from the uh, from the conventional industry, and also the Islamic finance. A lot of Islamic finance institutions should continue to appoint an economist. You know, they don't have a you know you know an economic department. They should have it, and that's also 
something very important. And also Islamic finance, you know, I encourage them to have the foundations also. The large Islamic bank should create the foundation. They should look about it, look upon, you know, certain things that, you know, they can do. Our part, margin of the profit should be allocated to the foundation. They can go for this, you know, work through the societal good, you know, some of these, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the the things that, for example, Citibank has a foundation, HSBC has foundation, so many of their, out of their foundation, they do a lot of the societal good, you know. So Islamic finance should, should go into it, or at least the 10% or 5% of the profit they make, you know, and they should be given to be put aside and, you know, and under the foundation and they should render those services. Thank you. Thank you for the input, Dr. Dr. Ali. Uh, I would like just to circle back to uh, another uh, the, the question that I've listed just now. Um, so are there instances where some of the laws or rules of Islamic finance seem irrelevant or outdated in current times? And uh, do rules keep getting updated or improved with time uh, according to the SSBs? So um, Dr. Ali, you want to start off first? Uh, I mean, your, your question is, are, are, are there any new laws that are coming? You're saying Islamic law? I'm sorry yeah. about that. So, so the question I was asking, are there instances whereby some of the laws of rules of Islamic finance um, that, are, that seem irrelevant or outdated in current times? And because of that, uh, are there changes that are being made to the, to the laws that are seem outdated? They have seem outdated, yeah. what happens you know this is a there are two large institutions you know i mean you know like you can say that you know it's a uh, international level institution established by the islamic Finance institution one is the ifsb the other one is iofi so and also on top of that you know we also have oic organization of islamic cooperation they have fiqh academy so all these three organizations uh, they look into it you know and to see that you know to respond to of any of this geopolitical situation or socio-political problems or so socio-economic issues happening in Curry. So they are the one who address these issues and then the, the individual SSBs will follow it. So that's how it is here. Mr. Zaihan, would you like to add on to that? Yeah, sure. Um Maybe uh, just to, to, to add on on that, uh, like what we uh, shared earlier, in terms of a particular product being uh, reviewed or being updated every six months or one year. So the reason being is to see whether it's compatible to the community or that particular geo system like what Dr. Said was, was, was saying, um, geopolitical area. So what happened is that if, if, uh, if and when the, um, the, the, the Sharia SSB uh, and the themes uh, sees that, oh, this particular product, we need to enhance it and uh, we need to update it. Then they will actually go through uh, update or uh, another review process on how to amend it or to make it better. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So, so, because, because I think there were, there's, there's naysayers out there saying that, hey, how come this fatwa is being published and then like 20 days down the road is irrelevant and why is he using it and whatnot? Uh, is the fatwa wrong? No, the fatwa is not wrong. Like what I mentioned in this presentation earlier, in terms of the, um, the community, the understanding, the awareness of that particular time of a particular community might not be the same as what, how we are right now. So there are certain, certain areas that you might need to look at again and, and, and review it and update it 
and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And people must always keep in mind that uh, banking, the, the so-called conventional banks, the, the normal banking that we are, we, we know it as we know it, is maybe about 500, 600 years old, whereas uh, Islamic banking finance maybe about 50, 60 years coming up. So uh, we are playing uh, catching up uh, in, in, uh, in that sense. So maybe I, I, I might answer a little bit of the, the question in terms of uh, what kind of improvements require in terms of the technology and system. I think there's a, query, there's a question on that as well. So because um, we need to keep in mind that we are playing catching up, Islamic banking and finance, we are playing catching up, but uh, and usually as a, as, as a, when, when, when one has a baby, you will know that they take steps one at a time and there's always try and error. So that is what happening to the industry at, at the moment. It's, it's a learning process and they give some time, try to be patient. Um, uh, the SSB has contributed a lot, a lot. I think Dr. Said can, can vouch that a lot since 1980s, in 1980s, 1990s. And we are still have a lot of things to discuss about. There's a lot of discussion still ongoing. Uh, hopefully, uh, we can benefit the community more for that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, I think um, that concludes the first round of questions that we have. Uh, I think the second round of questions that I would like to pose to our speakers would be uh, concerning um, the, uh, the the financial the Islamic finance sector in terms of its demand and supply. And um, there's also another question that I think is very uh, interesting. Uh, I'll start with this. Um, when talking about Islamic finance, um, is there any difference between the two main sects of Islam, the Shia and the Sunni? Uh, does this have any implications for Islamic finance or Islamic finance or is Islamic finance really the same across both uh, streams of Islam? Uh, it, may I just to provide sure. my work? Uh, I think um, I would say that there is no difference for the, you know, because it should be the same, you know, it's the same, you know, it's a, as I said, uh, let's put it this way that uh, Mr. Muhammad can elaborate on that more. Uh, as we say that the ruling, you know, I mean, you know, the, 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 it goes according to the geopolitical situation, you know, like a geography, for example, in Malaysia, you know, perhaps, you know, they allowed some products to be allowed, you know, yes, I mean, uh, permissible at the same time, you know, maybe some other places where it's not permissible. So it could be like that. For example, if, if the Islamic banking in Iran for some reason, they are not allowing conventional banks to come and practice over there. Whereas in the Gulf, you know, we have conventional banks as well as Islamic banks. So, so again, you know, it's a it's a it's a geopolitical decision or etc. You know, but uh, but as a matter of fact, the tools that we are using, Shia or Sunni, is the same, and uh, and there could be some small difference of opinion, difference of you know some change, small things, you know, and that can that can happen. And that's that is that is fine. I mean. I mean, um, like I said, you know, ulama here in the Gulf, you know, Arabian Gulf, you know, are different, and they 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 give the different rulings as compared to the ulama in 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 Southeast Asia. So similarly, if uh, 
if the Shia fiqh is allowing something and we respect that, and we should it should be observed like that. So there is the, in reality, it's not a big difference. I was and also going back to the previous question. Also, you know, for example, if we have like how open the Sharia scholars are, you know, sometimes the Sharia scholars, you know, they sit in the central Sharia board, they decide something in Ayofi, and when they come back to their own banks, you know, they challenge their own decision over there. Because they allow the local banks, you know, to 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 have those products, you know, and although they were they didn't allow, but but when they look at it from Iofi angle, they look at the interall, uh, overall, you know, the market. But when they are talking about an individual bank, they know there is a there is an issue, particularly with that community, and they want to help it. So the the whole intention is that the farm versus substance, you know, it's like a split is there. So they wanted to serve the clients, and they think that okay, we will allow for a temporarily. For them to 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 have it, and after sometimes you know they may say that okay no we we, we just allowed it only for 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 a, it's, it's, for example there are many many cases actually if you go back to British India the fatwas of the ulama given you know during in that time of in you know, 1930s and 20s so you start laughing why is this fatwas were given like that you know but what 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 was the reasoning behind was because the reasoning behind was something that they think that was important but right now those fatwas you know. Totally, totally irrelevant, you know. So, so something like that. So, I think there's there's no big difference between the Sunni and Shia. You know? This is not right. No, no, no. I would say that you know, it's again, you know, the, the marginal differences, you know, because of the fiqh. You know, it could be. Simzai, have you have anything to add on? No, I, uh, I, I believe I concur with what uh, Dr. Sai mentioned because uh, for the conventional side, we. we Personally, I've not dealt with any uh, Iran bank because of the regularity in terms of uh, dealing with the bank. But uh, I mean, even if that's different opinion, that's that's normal, and 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 we should be able to discuss it because uh, even among ourselves, even the Sunni, for example, or um, the like, what Dr. Said mentioned about the Yafi and whatnot, there's different opinions, but still we can uh, find a common ground and 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 work things out on that. Yeah, so it shouldn't shouldn't be an issue in my view, lah. Okay, um, so back to the question of supply and demand. Uh, coming Excuse back to Dr. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. Please, Dr. No, I said in, in, in terms of, you know, like for example, like Dr. Mr. Mohammed has really, you know, uh, mentioned a very important point. In, you know, when it comes to you know, the usury, both of them are denounced. It comes to exploitation, both of both sectors will denounce it and both passing, you know, shifting the risk you know, on the one party and let the other party enjoy and making the money they deny. So as you can see that small, small matters, you know, like that, you know, it can, it, it can happen. It, it, it has to be there. The difference of opinion has to be there and there is nothing wrong in that, you know, but the, the ulama in the Shia ulama or Sunni ulama cannot be, dif you know, be different on the, on the matter of usury or interest, you know. They all have to be the same. Thank you. Thank you for that uh, additional comment, uh, Dr. Ali. I think uh, that, that's really important for us to understand, right? Uh, that there are certain basic tenets uh, or principles within Islamic finance that are non-negotiable even within Sunni and Shia Shias. Um, Coming back to um, the, uh... the international organizations, you know, the IOFI or IOSB, IFSB, they, they continually, you know, they're trying to invite, you know, the Iranian, you know, you know, counterparts to come and be a part of them, you know, the member of their, their the Sharia board, you know. So, and in fact, the Fajr capital, you know, this in Dubai based, you know, they have Iranian, you know, like uh, Abbas Mirakhor is working as a Sharia board member. He's not a Sharia scholar, but he's an economist, but he sits in the Fajr capital. You know, as a Sharia Sharia board member, mm -hmm. so you can see that 
the, the, the diversity is not only just the Sharia scholarships and the Sharia board, but they also take people from outside too, because they wanted to make sure that, you know, the Sharia board is being empowered with the proper knowledge so that in the decision-making process, you know, they will not make mistake of allowing something to be, you know, permissible. Um, uh, in the interest of time, we have around 10 minutes uh, before we, we wrap up. Uh, can, can I just uh, post you two more questions here? Um, one question is with regards to um, cryptocurrency, right? Um, so the question is, um, sorry, yeah. How is Sharia governance subjected to financial products that are outside of the banking systems like cryptocurrencies? First. Mr. Muzaiha, you want to start, start first? Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I had to go first again. <laughs> uh, okay, so I think this uh, cryptocurrencies is outside of the realm of uh, the uh, financial institution. So um, even, uh, even in, in, in Singapore, the uh, MAS is uh, monitoring it very tightly in terms of uh, how to look about it. So, uh, how to go about with, with, with cryptocurrencies and so forth, uh, dealing with them and whatnot. But uh, based on my humble knowledge, uh, my, my, my limited knowledge is that currently in terms of the Sharia scholars, there's, there's certain writings there's, uh, and most of this discussion is around whether uh, the permissibility of cryptocurrencies uh, and the permissibility of dealing with them. Uh, I, uh, and in terms of the Sharia governance, um, I think there's a split in opinion uh, depending whether these uh, cryptocurrencies is considered as a so-called medium of exchange or just a so-called medium for investment, right? So if it's, it's somewhat similar to, the, to, to your gold or silver to your currency, then the same Sharia governance uh, will apply, but I'm not sure how it applies outside of the financial institution uh, framework. Uh, for that, uh, as I said, uh, based on my knowledge, is uh, just on the uh, rulings behind cryptos. Uh, maybe Doctor Sai can help me out on this. <laughs> I think increasingly we have we have been seeing difference of opinions from uh, I think private consultants, uh, uh, Islamic private Islamic finance consultants, with regards to the ruling of cryptocurrency. So I think. There is much debate that has also been going on about this as the interest in cryptocurrency is also peaking. So yeah, Dr. Ali, yeah, you have anything to add on? Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about from the Sharia point of view or Sharia scholars point of view, how do they address this? And of course, you know, a number of the Sharia scholars, you know, they, they are, you know, uh, the Imams and they are, they are giving, you know, their khatib, you know, meaning that they are the Friday, you know, sermons. So they do, you know, when the question is asked to them about the cryptocurrency, they address over there. But when, it, when the, if the institution is adopting it, you know, this uh, anything, you know, that they are working, they're serving as a Sharia board, then they look at it, you know, more seriously on that, you know. So, so that means, uh, as I said, that they definitely, they, they, they answer, they, they, they addressing the questions, you know, will definitely be at the, at the largest scale level, the, you know, when they go and address the larger audience. But when it comes to institution, if the institution is adopting or doing or involving the cryptocurrency, then they will address that issue. Okay, understood, right. 
Uh, I think uh, last question, I think this is very important also for, for our fellow practitioners here. The question is, um, um, sorry, let me, do, okay. Uh, how does one develop expertise in Sharia law and Islamic finance? Uh, the questioner is a 25 year old and he would like to pursue this field. Uh, how do you suggest he starts uh, learning the subject? I'll, I'll let Dr. Ali to go first. <laughs> Oh yeah, I think um, I think uh, definitely. First of all, to to you know, sometimes you know, uh, let me answer this. There there are two aspects of it. One is the knowledge aspect. The other one is you know the leader. You know, uh, the experience and the leadership that you gain over the period of time, and you earn the place you know in the community through your services. So the knowledge is of course you know one has to have you know the the the, the tools knowledge, the Quran and Sunnah and Hadith, and. Uh, and that's important. And without that, you know, one cannot just walk into that to say that I'm a Sharia scholar. Maybe you are just, uh, you know, some knowledge. You may have some peripheral knowledge, but you don't have in-depth knowledge of evaluating the sources, the established sources, you know, classical sources in Islamic law. Uh, that's why that means there is an academic preparation to it. Once the academic preparation is also not enough because you need to practice it. You need to earn a place in the community and through, you know, uh, rendering your services and becoming, you know, known for your, your yourself, you know, that um, either you are giving the Friday sermon or you're sitting in committees or you're, you're writing, you're publishing, or you have some sort of, you know, um, podcast and et cetera. So then only, then what happens, you know, when the Sharia board members, you know, being the, the institution is acquired that person to serve the Sharia board, you can see that creates an image that that brings you know the credibility that brings you know, for the clientele you know who they are actually so that will because suppose if, if a sharia board member is very well known in the community and he say, he say that okay such and such bank has started and he's going to be the sharia board and uh, he's going to be the member of that bank's sharia board so they uh, immediately you can see that the the response of the community will start it to be more positive and to to start you know getting more businesses so so I would say that, uh, uh, I mean, um, it, it, age is not a matter, it's 25 years old or whatever, you know, if, if somebody has an interest, you know, you can start working and getting and knowing and going through the sources and uh, and uh, uh, and acquiring the academic knowledge and, uh, and, and then, then having, and I'm sure, uh, uh, Mr. Muhammad can say that, you know, that uh, the way, maybe there is one way that, you know, some of the Sharia scholars will say that, okay, you have to have uh, follow, you know, certain, you know, uh, so you have some kind of mentor and uh, some something, you know, like that will be like we, we call, I don't know what, what sort of the right word to be used, you know, so some something is some, something like a bite or something like, you know, silsila, you know, you know, etc. You know, these are all these, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, so, so, so sometimes, you know, a, a person, he cannot just become, you know, start giving the fatwas and listen until you have been given the ijazah, the permission. The permission is granted, you know, from established scholars. So what I was trying to say that, uh, that not only the academic knowledge, but you also has to have, you know, some kind of, you know, mentorship, you know, from an established scholar who can groom you, who can train you to be, you know, and then we can say, okay, yes, I have been trained under such and such, you know, alib, such and such, you know, uh, person. And then, then I have been given the ijazah, the permission for me to act upon it, something like that, you know. 
So again, there is no formal schools from where one can say, okay, this, if you go to the schools, you make it. So it's, it's still, you know, even if you have a formal schools, again, it, it deals with the perception of, you know, the issue and the, the community uh, where you are serving, where you are working, you know, you should be known through your, 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 your thing. So, I mean, the, it, it goes back to, you know, person's character and obviously dealing and it's, it's a fame and name and all of these things, you know, will bring a lot of cloud with him uh, to say that, okay, this person is a good, you know, clean Sharia board member. <laughs> but, um, Mr. Nizahan, sorry, before, before I let you speak, uh, I would like to just, um, you know, um, extend the question further uh, to include one of the questions that was asked uh, by, our, by our audience. Uh, how do we also encourage more women into the Sharia boards? Because Dr. Ali just said in his presentation that there, there is a lack of women uh, representation in, in the Sharia board. So how, how do we go about encouraging that? Yeah, so uh, to add on what Dr. Say just mentioned, yeah, uh, which I concur, because the uh, exposure might not be, uh, say, the knowledge uh, alone, uh, uh, though it's, it's important, but it's how you uh, implement it. It's particular a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, comment or feedback that we got from from uh, those who joined uh, the industry is that whatever they've learned uh, from books is different from what is being practiced, right? So what Doctor Say was saying is that yes, you have the knowledge, but you need that exposure, you need that network to to expose yourself to to learn more how. That understand the needs of the community, how you present yourself so that you can have more uh, so-called uh, credibility so that people will, 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 will look up to you and uh, look for you for that matter uh, when, when they have any issues in that particular community. Um, in terms of women, uh, how to encourage is actually it's the same approach. Uh, it's just that, it's just that uh, they, they need more uh, uh, exposure and maybe a bit more of understanding from 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 the because uh, I have colleagues friends uh, who actually uh, was pursuing uh, ladies ladies and women they, they were they were they were pursuing this 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 area this industry but because of one reason or another they they didn't continue right but they are I I, I know of people who are very interested they are there it's just that maybe uh, we need to give them more exposure uh, and 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 give them the opportunity the platform. For them to uh, so-called be out there, uh, talk to people, uh, do more. Maybe Doctor Say say maybe more writings with Doctor Ali. Uh, build build that confidence so so that they 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 feel that hey I I I'm I'm I, I'm being listened. I I I'm, I I wrote books regarding uh, Islamic banking finance so that again to build that credibility is it's just a matter of uh, opportunity and exposure in my view. Dr. Ali, do you have any final uh, statements, final words? Um, I, think, I think when I mentioned that, you know, the Sharia board should have, when we say that, you know, some Islamic banks you know, started to appoint, you know, as a part of the Sharia board economy. So I would suggest that the Islamic banks should go ahead and, you know, the large Islamic banks start appointing, you know, the women for Sharia board members. I mean, there are a lot of young, you know, there are women, you know, they are qualified and they are working. They should start experimenting that because that's very important and we should we have women doctors we have women lawyers we have women scholars you know islamic scholars so why not you know islamic bank financial industry perhaps they may be able to even look at our contracts more seriously and more you know you know they will try to bring more 
more value and more you know weight on it you know so i would suggest that uh, as part of this uh, this webinar session that we should we should say that women should be also you know they should be integrated into existing you know uh, large banks sharia you know sharia board you know so that at least because they can afford to have it and they do have some you know some of the you know, uh, where the islamic finance industry is more active and operational so there are women available in that area so they can be given the opportunity to 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 serve and even if they are not that qualified they can learn from those scholars uh, established scholars and they have to pass on the legacy it's not that everybody will be the same wavelength. And they should also start appointing some rookies, you know, some of the, the young Sharia scholars to train them. So that should also be the another area, another recommendation that we should make it, that we should have some young Sharia scholars to learn from the experience. As I mentioned that Sheikh Nizam Yaqubi is quite old now. Sheikh Algari is having some issues with health. And Sheikh Takhi Usman is not traveling. I now can see the three scholars' names I mentioned. And the two scholars have passed already recently, a few, you know, few months ago. Abdul Sattar Abu Ghudda and plus the Shah um, Hussain Hamid Hassan. So now, among the old scholar team, and there are not many. So uh, now, now Dr. Dawood Bakar is of course very young and energetic, but you know, uh, but may Allah, you know, give all of these Sharia scholars you know good health, you know, and uh, and strength to to continue to serve. But I think the most important thing that you know we should we should encourage we should bring the younger scholars into the committees, and they should learn from the experienced scholars. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Dr. Sayyid Azimali and Mr. Muhammad Nuzaihan Hamdan for a very, very fruitful uh, discussion on uh, Sharia boards and Islamic finance. I think uh, myself, I have learned a great deal from, from this session. I hope our audiences have too. On behalf of the Institute and the Center for Islamic Economics and Finance at Hamad bin Khalifa University, I thank both our speakers as well as our audiences for attending this talk. And uh, I hope to see you again in uh, our next MEI webinar. Uh, please look out for, for uh, our next event on our website. And you can also look out for the recording of uh, this session on our YouTube channel soon. So on that note, thank you so much. And uh, thank you uh, and goodbye. And our special thanks to Zul Hakim. Yes, my counterpart Zul Hakim, uh, uh, who also co-organize co this this event yeah definitely i mean you know he yes. deserves you know that uh, to mention you know his name and, and thank you very much Hakim, for all your support and help and making me you know bring me into this you know wonderful you know webinar thank you so much once again thank you nice meeting thank you, you so mr much. mohammed nice meeting you dr thank you assalamu alaikum wa alaikum assalam wa alaikum assalam thank you thank you so much